0: Our good friends at Johnny O welcome you to this episode, and if you've listened to Rich Take on Sports, then you know two things are important, sharing the impact of sports in people's lives and the Johnny O clothing brand, blending those East Coast classic styles with a SoCal vibe. I've been wearing Johnny O for several years, and now you can as well with 20% off your first order by using the promo code ARICHTAKE at johnny-o.com. Live your best life with the Johnny O Style and use promo code Take at johnny-o.com for 20% off your first order. Exploring the impact of sports. Welcome, Welcome to Rich Take on Sports, the sports podcast with life. Having conversations and hearing personal stories from those who have been impacted, built, and inspired by the role of sports in their lives. Here's your host, host. Richmond Weaver. What time is it? This is episode 146. Thanks for being an investor by investing your time to listen. The thirst for perfection is something that we see so many times in sports. The perfect game, the perfect moment, the perfect pass, or whatever it might be. And for Dr. Kent Ellington, he's often on that same quest for perfection as a fellowship-trained orthopedic foot and ankle surgeon with Ortho Carolina, located in Charlotte, North Carolina. Ortho Carolina serves as the team physicians for the Carolina Panthers, and you'll also find Dr. Ellington serving that role for Stuart Haas Racing, UNC Charlotte, and other surrounding Charlotte schools. Dr. Ellington can also be found in the research lab as an inventor, helping design orthopedic implants, developing novel technology, and advancing newer surgical techniques. And he continues to be active in teaching fellows and residents when he's not in the air as an instrumented rated pilot or looking for the next business opportunity through his entrepreneurial spirit. Our conversation with Dr. Kent Ellington. Dr. Ellington, I greatly appreciate it. You're welcome. You're welcome. Noble Smoke, I love this place. Yes. This is great. It's a fantastic <laughs> restaurant. Exactly. And we get to hang out for a little bit. I appreciate you letting me steal some of your time.
1: Sure, definitely. And yeah, Noble Smoke is a uh, restaurant from Chef Noble, Jim Noble, has multiple restaurants, uh, mainly in the Charlotte area, but also in Greensboro. And his lifelong dream was to open a barbecue restaurant. And after like 30 years, he decided to, to take a stab at it. And... Yeah. I think he decided when he was going to do it, he's going to do
0: it right. Uh, yes. <laughs> I, I don't think you can necessarily call this just a barbecue place. Yeah,
1: exactly. It's not just a barbecue restaurant. It's got a lot of things on the menu that you don't get. I'm born and raised in North Carolina. So when you go to a barbecue restaurant, you get a barbecue sandwich and, you know, French fries and hush puppies. And this place is got it all. <laughs> it's got it all. I mean, it's got it to the next level. The next level. Brisket, next ribs, level. Yes. wings. The sides are amazing. I mean, I, a lot of my friends have been here and, they, every time they talk about it, they'll, they'll mention how great the barbecue is, but they'll talk about, oh, the wings were the best, or the the okra was the best, oh, or agreed. the mac and cheese. You know, yes. it's like you know, it's interesting. to hear oh, that about a barbecue
0: restaurant. It's just some of those staple foods too. Yeah, that just you know make you comfort foods. I should comfort say comfort food. Yeah, that's what it is. It's exactly, the comfort foods that just make you
1: feel good. Yeah, and then he just opened a, a, a restaurant right beside us, literally just fifty feet away, called Bossy Beulah, and it's all they it, all they have is fried chicken sandwich. French fries and, and and chicken bites, and it's amazing. It's just absolutely incredible. Was the best chicken sandwich I ever had in my life.
0: All right, yeah. better now. There's a lot of competition right now. I so are exactly. putting this there. This is and,
1: and no <laughs> offense, but this is this is you know like legit. A lot of his recipes are family recipes. I love that. And um, so, Bossy Beulah comes from his, his aunt 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 Beulah, who was evidently she was this feisty short little lady, and this is her recipe, which is you know decades old. And uh, it, it is a whole different experience of the project. Now, how often are you eating here or there? Cause, yeah, <laughs> probably almost once a, a week, lot, right? About <laughs> at least once a week, you know. So I have brought, brought a lot of friends here, family here. I bring
0: uh, residents and fellows that I train here. Of course. And it looks like at least in this part of Charlotte, I mean, it's starting to explode. Yeah. So
1: Freedom Drive here, it's really nice because it's close to the airport. It's just right outside of downtown Charlotte. It's right off the highway of 85 it's close to 77 so this is a premier location historically this this section of charlotte's been a little bit on the rougher side Mm -hmm. and uh you know through different programs city Mm -hmm. planning things like that they're trying to do some things to revitalize the segment of the city and it's um this is just the beginning so it's going to be you know i've talked to some people who are involved in what's coming down the road and they really hope to develop freedom drive kind of like they did uh, South Boulevard, which if you're familiar with the area, it's kind of like the last decade that's been the hotspot.
0: This place will turn. Yes, it, exactly. it'll happen, yeah, right? yeah. Now, I, I know you're doing all types of different things, entrepreneur, investor, pilot, obviously a surgeon, all of that. But have you thought about just as a surgeon that to a large degree, I mean, you're almost a, an investigator in terms of trying to figure out what problem is and then how to solve it. Yeah. You know, I mean it's it's interesting that when you see a patient, I'm just blown away at times that how you are able to take a, I guess, a situation and try to extrapolate what is the root cause and then how to fix it. Yeah. But that's gotta be a lot of hard work. And I mean it seems like at times you've got to be going into it blindly. Am I way off base here? No, I think that that there's some definite
1: uh, validity to what you're saying and all fields of medicine is kind of that investigative yeah. work, you know, whether you're a cardiologist or a vascular surgeon or or a psychiatrist or, you know, internal medical doctor. You're trying to uh, I tell patients all the time, you, you have to have a diagnosis before you can have a appropriate treatment plan. And there's a lot of people we see that have had a lot of treatment and they not and they have not you know, improved their symptoms. And it's because, unfortunately, they had the wrong diagnosis, you know, pinned to them and from the beginning. And so as a, as a, as a physician, you know, our job is to make people better. And, and, and when you do that, to make them better, you got to find out what's making them wrong. That's
0: not easy. Well, you know, sometimes it is, sometimes (laughs) it's not, you know? Well, yes, maybe so. I think, you know,
1: it just depends. And in both in the medical and surgical fields, sometimes it can be kind of cookie cutter and cut dry. Sometimes it can be very difficult. And that's what I, I like about, orthopedic surgery and specifically about foot and ankle what I what I did my fellowship in. And I kind of take jabs at my partners and my you know friends that are orthopedic surgeons that don't do foot and ankle and residents that come through our service. You know, there's like nine different fields of orthopedics, there's sports, tumor, hand, trauma, joints, etc. And I tell them all that, you know, if you want to use your brain, you really have to think about things, be a doctor and try to figure out stuff and take care of, you know, problems in different ways with different people, because every single you can have the same diagnosis for you, and the, sa- and the same diagnosis for somebody else, and I'll give you a different treatment plan, ba- you know, based on your based on your age, yes. the activity level, you know, both non-surgical and operative. And so I tell my residents, you know, like every field of orthopedics definitely has challenges, and yeah. I, I just think foot and ankle has got a lot of one. It's a young 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 uh, specialty. It's only really truly been around, it's, you know, a good. 25, 30 years is a is a true kind of subspecialty, and in the last 10 or 15 years, it's really taken off. And so, you know, maybe it's challenging because we get more to learn, you know. Um, but it's definitely been a rewarding process to be able to see people and take care of them and try to figure out what the problem is. That, as you mentioned, kind of investigatively to figure that out. It's been it's fun and challenging, you know. And so it's it's that makes makes going to work every day something different you know, it makes it exciting and um it's uh it's really cool to be able to uh see a complicated problem and figure out the problem, figure out this treatment strategy. And if the patient ends up with surgery, then you're talking about like how are you gonna fix it, the technical part of it, you know? And I tell people all the time as orthopedic surgeon, I, I take crooked things and make them straight. And foot and ankle we have a lot of deformity correction, you know, so our job is to try to get the foot straight. And so I say that in jest because it makes it sound like it's easy, exactly. you know, but sometimes it's not. But at the end of the day, your job is to try, you know, get it perfect and get it right so the
0: patient has the best outcome. And I wonder also, is there a certain aspect of the challenges that you're talking about that, is it almost a competition for you as well? <laughs> you know, that's I think to some degree...
1: There's a competition internally.
0: Yes, yeah, like a competition within yeah. yourself. Yeah, like, within Like, I'm going to beat this. I want to solve yeah, this. Yeah, totally, no
1: doubt. And so here in Charlotte, uh, I'm in uh, the group called North Carolina, and we have a foot and ankle institute. And I, I didn't build this. I didn't make it. But people regard it as one of the best foot and ankle uh, centers in the country, if not the world. And, and you know, my senior partners started this a long time you know, when I was in high school. And so I'm just honored to be here. But also to challenge to, like, maintain that reputation. Of course, what, yeah. You got to keep it at the same yeah, level exactly. or better. Yeah, and, you know, and what's cool is that those guys who started it, you know, Bob Anderson and Hodges Davis, then joined Bruce Cohen and Carol Jones and then myself, and now we got Scott Sean and Todd Irwin and we hired Sam Ford. Like, we all feel this, uh, this passion, competitiveness to, you know, maintain that legacy and to build on it. And, and, you know, within our own selves, we all want to be better. And so every time I do a surgery, I I look at it when I leave the OR, I look at it very critically and, and, and it's, it's tough too, because not to sound like a pity party, but like, we really want to make it perfect And when it doesn't go well. And it's not because we didn't try hard or, you know, or something. It's just sometimes we really deal with difficult problems and it's hard to, to look at things and, and, feel like, man, you know, like I wanted it to be perfect. And I was like, I wanted an A plus. I got an A minus. And then you think about, I I, I promise you, anytime those situations happen, they like. Yeah. How
0: much do you beat
1: yourself up if he doesn't? I wake up in the middle of the night, have dreams about them constantly. And I can, I even have difficult cases that go perfect that I'll still have dreams about them that went bad in my dream because I've been so stressed about the case. And this happens routinely. It's kind of crazy. But like, I, so I'll, I'll do cases and I'll. Think I look at it critically after the fact and be like, you know, how can I have done better? Even if I think it went if it went well, how can I have done it better? What can I have done differently? Um, I I think I think time in the OR is very important, and I harp on my fellows constantly about being, you know, good and fast and not sloppy, but fast because fast is important because the longer the case goes, the complication rates go up. All kinds of negative things can happen, and so um, you you want to be. Purposeful and efficient in the OR, and so one of the competitions I have is like, you know, if I did that case and went great. How can I do that case a little better, a little faster? You know, because to me, doing that a little faster is better for the patient. And you know, ultimately, I got to look that patient in the eye. That's right. In two weeks, when I see him back post-op, and in two months, and six months, and ten months, and a year, and two, and five, and ten years, you know, and um, it's it's there's no there's no better reward or compliment when a patient, you know, when they're kind of through the healing phase, just is like, wow, you know, thank you. Or, or, or I'm going to send my friends and family to you, or, you know, you'll see a patient one day in clinic. Oh, that's the biggest compliment. Oh, it's the biggest compliment. <laughs> and, and it's funny because like, I take that when I see a patient in clinic and says, Hey, I came to see you because you operated on my neighbor or my friend or sister that it might, it might sound cheesy, but like, that's more important than some professional athlete or, or, you know, head of state or something sending their family to me because it, it's just, it's, uh, it is, it is as a I mean, position it's part of the community. Yeah, exactly. Right? You know, it's, it's like, it's like, you know, it's now where you live. Oh yeah, exactly. You know? And so like, it's like those people are VIP to me when, when they tell me a former patient of mine sent me to you, you know, uh, I take that very seriously. Yeah, you know? I bet you do. And so it's, um, it's a humbling experience to, it's interesting, you know, when you're trying to like buy a house or pick a stock or get a car or make an investment or trying to pick, you know, what pair of jeans you're going to buy, right? You talk to people, you figure out, you look it, you Google <laughs> it, always, yeah, you Amazon it. Oh, I do that all. You the look time. at the reviews, yes. of everything, you know, and then you know, and I'm like that. I'm like, I'm I'm want to get the, the best, you know, deal or the best. I look at the references, look at the reviews on Amazon. And it, what's humbling is when you meet someone, sometimes for the very first time you meet them, you meet them and, Hey, I'm Dr. Ellington. Hey, I'm Mr. Smith. You're chit chatting. You get a bad problem. You're going to need a big surgery. You talk to them, you know, 15, 20 minutes later, they're just, they're just like, okay. And and it's, 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 it's like, wow, it's the trust that people put in you. We just don't take it lightly
0: And sometimes all. that, I mean, you, you earn that trust to your point. I mean. Within a matter of yeah, twenty minutes maybe. or so, yeah. and I mean that's significant to to be able to put your their trust in your hands. Yeah, going to sleep. Yeah, good. And you're going to take on. my leg yes. and <laughs> rearrange it.
1: Put it back together. It's 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 wild, you know. It's and it's what's as a physician in these current political times, you know, where healthcare is so politicized. I think that conversation of politics and healthcare is. Although there's definitely things that could be improved, it takes away from the fact that we as physicians, nurses, therapists, everything, like we, we are all in here to try to help people, you know, and it and just gets kind of dirty with like, you know, do we need this type of health care or this type? Do we need, you know, who, all that kind of stuff? And, and it's definitely important. But, yeah, but when you're in surgery,
0: you just want to focus on yeah, the patient, yeah, right? Exactly. And, and doing your job. Yeah. Right. And, and it's yeah. Bill Belichick says, do your job. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, exactly right. You know, it's, it's, it comes down, it's kind of game day like. If you're an athlete, your job is to go out there and perform and, and, and beat the other team. And, you know, my job is to go out there and perform and,
0: and beat the orthopedic problem. And try and fix it so the patient can have a good outcome. Well, I think there's a huge correlation between the two, I mean, sports and, you know, what you're doing from that side of things. And is there also a certain aspect of, Especially surgically, when you're trying to you know fix these problems, and there's probably no way you can make it back to perfect, so are you almost chasing something that you can't ever catch like perfection? Yes, you know, um, so and how hard can that be on you it, just internally because you want it to be perfect? Yeah, exactly. I mean, you're asking challenging questions the, um,
1: <laughs> which I love. so you definitely. Uh, have in your mind's eye what you want to do, you know, and you want to achieve whatever that goal is. And, and what's, what, what you, what you start to learn through experience. And I I just started my 11th year in practice is that you do have to under, you you, you have to have enough experience, and insight, good outcomes, bad outcomes. And, uh, and, and when you take care of that one patient, you're taking, you're using thousands of patients you've taken care of as a as a filter to try to figure out like yeah. what's going to be best for that patient. You know, so it's the science, it's the published literature, it's the textbooks, it's your, you know, what your colleagues say, it's your mentors, you know, and it's the patients you treated. And all that goes into some weird rapid calculation within seconds. Like, you know, this is what's going to be the best thing for the patient. And then you go in and you try to, you know, try to achieve it. And I had this philosophical debate. Um, and I, I've talked to my wife about this, who's a nurse. and uh, And she's, fantastic nurse and she, you know at, as most nurses they, they're really good at caring and bedside and she's she's great at loving on people and she's got that that um that gift and um you know she, some i've come home before and i'm like ah, oh, this case didn't go like i wanted to or, or something and she's like it's okay you know you did your best and i'm like they don't want me to do it <laughs> they don't want me to do my best they want to make it perfect exactly you know? yeah, she's like, right. no they don't she's like she's like babe you know like you know, and I'm like, for one, my own expectation is to do, to do it perfect, right? Whether I'm right or wrong, I think the patient wants me to do it perfect, and, and I think most patients are probably uh, reasonable that they want me to do my best. At the Same
0: time, it's like do your best, but do it perfect. Do it perfect, <laughs> yes. Yeah. That's yeah. why they're trusting you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. they're they're. I mean, obviously, again, I, I think it's chasing something that probably can't be called because it just can't be perfect yeah. again.
1: Well, you mentioned too, normal. So I tell people all the time that by definition, surgery does not make you normal, right? If you have a minor problem or a big problem and I cut you open and do something to you, I've just made you abnormal.
0: Yeah. Right. There's a domino effect
1: yeah, of exactly. what you do. It, it changes something yeah, somewhere it, down the line, right? Yeah. I know. And so it's weird, you know, sometimes the biggest problems we take care of, which are very, very complicated that are the hardest that we do technically, that take the longest amount of time in the OR and have the highest risk, sometimes can have the biggest gain because their, their clinical problem is so bad that once you've done their surgery, even if you couldn't get it perfect, it is so good to them because they were so bad before. And then the nuances of orthopedics is like, sometimes you have people that uh, might have a small problem, but to them it's not small and you, you do surgery And uh, you think it goes perfect, and they're kind of like, it's not what I wanted. (laughs) (laughs) And that would equally make you want to pull your hair out. I bet so. So it's tough, you know. And and some of the things we take care of, you know, sometimes you have, uh, you know, athletes, uh, whether they're professional, collegiate, high school athletes, their performance is way up here. And I think a lot of people think that, like, they're just a little better than us, you know. If I worked on some basketball, I could probably be pretty good. No, no, no. They're God touched them in a certain way that they're different. They are different. I mean, whether they're different and not only that they're maybe six, eight, you know, or whatever, but like their mental stamina, their ability to withstand pain, their ability to just push through injury, uh, the ability to focus and sacrifice and just practice, 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 practice. Maybe, maybe never making it to being a pro, but they they practice if they're going to be. That dedication is incredible, you know. And so, like, so their performance level um, is, it's, 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 you know, in the universe, right? Oh, it's, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. And so, when they have an injury, um, unfortunately, because their 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 level is so high, you, you know, there's a lot of stake. And when you operate on those types of patients, if you make them 99. percent it might just not be good enough because there's somebody else who's 100, percent and their 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 40-yard dash is a little faster, or they can cut a little better, or
0: they can bench press a little more, or whatever the, the metric is, and and so it's um, yeah. So how does that affect you as you're going into surgery? Yeah, does that change your mindset to some degree? You know, not that
1: people have to understand what I'm about to say here. It doesn't mean bad care is being delivered to the average person, right? But we, everybody's treated differently, right? And so um, when you're taking care of an athlete, because they are different, they're treated different, not because they're better or more important. It's just that what's at stake is different and what they want to do with their life is different. Because their normal is different than yeah, somebody exactly. else's normal, yeah, right? Yeah, 100%. Now, not to say, I have people who come in to see me that are 25 years old, that play recreational basketball at the church and, and very active and they work out every day. I love working out. So I tell yeah, you, you're no, in shape, man. <laughs> I'm about that, man, but you know, I enjoy working out and, and I go at it every day pretty hard. And, and so if you tell me you're 25, you're 40, you're 50, you're 70 years old, I think I operated on the guy today, 70. And he's like, I play golf a couple of days a week. I play tennis a couple of days a week. You know, I travel, I retired. That guy's not an NFL athlete, but he's really active, you know, so just, uh, I don't want people to think that if you're not an NFL player, you don't get the best because, at This 70-year-old guy, he dropped a mirror on his leg, and it cut two big tendons in front of his ankle. I mean, you could even argue, if you wanted to, you could treat it non-operatively. Well, he tells me all those things. He's active, plays golf, tennis, he walks, you know, he travels. So I was like, all right, well, I think you're this active, I think you should have surgery to fix it. And if he didn't have surgery to fix it, he wouldn't be able to move his ankle anymore up and down. And so I took him to the OR, uh, unfortunately, he had an injury that was missed by the ER, they, missed the, they saw the laceration, but they didn't know his tendon was cut, which is not uncommon. But by the time he gets to me, he's three weeks out, and his foot is just, you know, just got a drop foot. So I take him to the OR and open up his, his leg, and the tendon had retracted and coiled up inside of his leg, and we had to go in there and find it. And that took, a little extra time, and finally I was able to find the two ends of each tendon, put it back together, used uh, some allograft tendon to try to help repair that tendon, and then used the product called FlexBand to kind of belt the suspenders, repair the tendon, which is great because it gives me the immediate strength that I need. Because right now, if I didn't have that uh, FlexBand, I would be kind of stuck waiting on just collagen to heal. But I, I put that on immediately, which gives me immediate strength, and then it actually incorporates and turns the collagen over time and incorporates into the human body and the tissue and so now I, you know, I repair the guy, I give him immediate strength and I'm able to accelerate his rehab and uh, hopefully get him back, you know, playing golf in three or four months versus six or eight months, you know, and he's 70, he's not an NFL player, but we still give that guy, you know, the full, the full body to try to make him better.
0: How, how many times do you sit back and look at the human body and say, good gosh, yeah. this thing's amazing. Yeah,
1: a lot actually. I've talked because it it, blows me away. It is. It's so the foot itself. Yes. Oh, and that's a whole nother thing. (laughs) Yeah. So so just the foot itself is incredible. So there's uh, 28 bones, over 100 muscles and uh, tendons and ligaments. There's 30 joints. So one, uh, 25% of all the bones in your body are in your foot, right? And so, and what's really cool about the foot is there's parts of the foot. I could talk to you about this hours, but not I won't bore you. But there's parts of the foot <laughs> that's why I devoted my whole life to it. Yes, this, right? yes so, yeah. So you love this. Stuff. Between the, the college and med school and residency and fellowship, you know, 17 years of training to do all that. There are parts of the foot that are supple and mobile. There's parts of the foot that are really rigid, and all that works together and marvelous in
0: such unison.
1: Man, it's incredible. It's 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 majestic, you know. Um, I'm a believer in God and I kind of believe that like, you know. This, this, little, this little thing at the end of our leg that we just take for granted, right? You yeah, walk we around millions yeah. and millions and millions and millions of steps in your lifetime, and you don't even think about it. You don't even think about it, right? You Just like breathing, you're blinking, you don't even think about that. You just walk, you run, you do whatever. And this foot that you think is just kind of like this thing attached to your leg is this incredible shock, suspension, strut, everything that it does. And uh, it works in concert, and it's just it's absolutely amazing. I've taken care of multiple engineers, and um, those patients can be really difficult to take care of because they're kind of brainiac- brainiacs. <laughs> yeah,
0: hey, now, you know. You've got this engineering background as well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right?
1: My dad's, a me- my dad's a mechanical engineer, so <laughs> mechanical and civil engineers are, the, are, are, are really difficult to take, of, take care of because they're so intrigued about what you're going to do to them. But I had a patient who was a few years ago it was a civil engineer, And he wanted to know, like, type of metal I was going to put in his foot Mm. and everything. He just went to the – he was a little over the top. But (laughs) um, when I did his surgery, um, he he had done all this research on foot biomechanics. And he came back to me. This is, like, months after his surgery. Luckily, everything went great. He did fantastic. Came back to me, and he said, Dr. Ellington, I've been a civil engineer for 20 years. I build bridges, buildings, walls, all kinds – everything I build has – my job is to make sure it can withstand stresses of cars driving across it or holding up a building or whatnot. And I said, yeah, yeah, yeah you know, that's, and, and he's like, there is nothing. He's like, I've looked at this for three months, right? He's like, there's nothing that I could design that would be as good as what the foot does. And I was just like, man, that's really cool. You know? And it points to the fact we do take it for granted, but it really, uh, to me, it points that, you know, it was designed, you know, with a,
0: higher purpose. Yeah. Talking about yeah. Designed perfectly. Now yeah. That, yeah, exactly. that has yeah. been right. Yeah. It, it absolutely. And that's just the foot. You know, exactly. you about the human body. It's crazy. It's how insane. your heart beats, how your liver does things, your kidneys. It's, 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 it's it, well. wild. So I, I know you, you, you like fixing things. Yeah. So has that always been part of your DNA that is, you know, as far back as you can remember? Oh, man, i tell you,
1: it's hundred percent correct. But my, my dad, as I mentioned, is a mechanical engineer, and I grew up kind of just idolizing him, and I've always said, and still believe to this day, he's the smartest man I ever met, and um, he, just, he just understood a lot of things about, you know, a lot of things about a lot of different things, and I saw him you know, build stuff every, I, I, I think a lot of kids, little boys, learn how to, you know, build this or that and the other, but my dad had me, you know, welding, and replacing roofs and building big structures and I remember i mean just the, I restore i classic cars and i've dug so many ditches for <laughs> so many yards for so many yards of concrete and, you know kind of, there are times that i remember being kid thinking like this yeah is were kind you of appreciating fun.
0: it at the time or were kind you like oh my gosh sometimes i gotta that do I, this dad
1: sometimes i enjoyed it because i was being with him you know and sometimes i was like i want to go play with my friends yeah you know um but I learned a lot from him and he definitely put that in me to want to do things, build things, fix things, you know, to do it and to understand it. And he, he also, uh, anytime he did something, he never did it like half heartedly. Like if he was going to build something, like I remember we built this trailer to, to, you know, haul things behind a truck or whatever. And like this trailer was a tank, you know, And it's <laughs> just like, he never did anything kind of just like, you know, a little ways. So, um, you know that kind of I think just was in in my DNA as you mentioned, and um, so my whole life I wanted to be an engineer. And my dad went to NC State, mechanical, and I wanted to be a mechanical engineer. And he was a pilot in the Air Force. I wanted to do that as well. And and then so now I say you know I'm not an engineering machine, and I'm not an engineer of machines. I'm just an engineer of the human body. And so um, it's uh, it's it's cool. You know the the people in your lives that mean a lot to you and kind of pave a path for you sometimes not even act you know actively it's just living an example or um uh, it's that's that's why you know being a role model is such an important
0: thing do you feel you're appreciating your dad at the time or are you now that you can and reflect I th- definitely way more now than than then but i, I definitely remember
1: being a kid finding enjoyment and learning how things worked, and him explaining things to me and i remember it's like him teach me that from like, gosh, I mean, literally I, being like, I remember helping him when I was four, you know, holding the hammer and holding the flashlight and, and doing things that when I was 12 years old, i had always wanted a motorcycle, a dirt bike. And so one day he finally said, all right, well, you know, you can get a dirt bike, if, but you got to buy it yourself. And, uh, and so I started, I was like, all right, well, so I was mowing grass, <laughs> doing whatever I could to make oh, some yeah, money. Of you know? So then my buddy down the street had a, had a Honda dirt bike that didn't run and they, you know they're brand new. They're like a thousand bucks. And and he had run it to the ground and did we couldn't even crank the thing. And so he sold it to me for like $200. And, uh, and this was in, uh, the late eighties, early eighties and, uh, yeah, early eighties. And, uh, uh, I was born in 76. It was a 1976 Honda. And I remember giving him the 200 bucks and he, I remember him smiling and being so happy. He got rid of that thing and got $200 in cash. And I worked for a year to get that money. And, um, you yeah, that's a lot
0: of lawns. Yeah. <laughs> you know, back
1: then we didn't get paid. You get paid $5, $5 you know? a lawn. Yeah, I remember and, those days. Know, and then I started <laughs> doing pressure washing and stuff, you know? And so I did that and then I got it home and, you know, it didn't, it didn't work. And so I, by my I bought a I bought a book. My mom took me to the Honda dealership and I bought this book and I, I read the book and I took the motorcycle apart. I took the whole engine apart, completely rebuilt the engine and uh put the put everything back together. And I, I can still remember it took me probably like four or five months to do this. You know, I was, gosh, twelve. What is that? You know, seventh grade? Yeah. Six, seven Six seventh grade. Six so, seventh yeah, grade. Yeah, I did this, and I I never remember. I never forget. You know, putting that thing back together, and then when I, you know, got on that thing and you know, hit the kickstart, and it started. And it up, started. Oh my gosh! And, and you can remember, oh, yeah. that day when you kicked and it and started. It started. I mean, I <laughs> I tell you, I put my helmet on, and <laughs> we were gone. I was, gone. <laughs> I was, and that thing was amazing. It ran like a. And It ran amazing. So, I had a couple of friends that had dirt bikes that were bigger cc's than mine, you know. Yeah, and I, mine was faster, and so Ooh. I tuned it up, and, and it, was, <laughs> it, was, it was, it was, it was, it was a joy. I, I remember I ended up selling that bike several years later, and uh, I, I it's one of the things I regret as a childhood is, is doing that. Is selling it, yeah. I, was, I I just I put so much blood, sweat, yeah, and tears you should have kept it. it. I mean, that really would be cool. I'm sure it's in a junkyard now, but it was fun. <laughs> Did you upgrade to, to a, a bigger CC? Well, so so after that, I decided that, you know, one day when I got a real job, I was going to have a motorcycle. You know, okay. I, I wanted to ride motorcycles and stuff. You know, I rode them all through the trails and whatnot. And then when I became an orthopedic surgery resident within my first year, I took care of just too many, too many, too many people. Some of them tragically, you know, died or, or lived and maybe wish they were dead, you know, with such severe injuries or being brain dead. And uh in the medical field we call them donor cycles because mm. you know they they take the organs if they die. And and I remember trying I remember having this conversation with myself, like, well, you know, it really wasn't their fault. I get hit by somebody. So else. you rationalize. Yeah, rationalize yeah, like, yeah, of course. Oh, you know. And after about a year, I was just like, i I'll never get one, you know? And so now I fly planes. <laughs> yeah.
0: I don't know. Okay, so we're gonna go from motorcycles to planes I don't know which is worse, you know,
1: but it's uh maybe it's it's maybe it's the childhood motorcycle dream coming coming to, to fruition in a different way. But why did you want to be a pilot? Um well but like I said, my dad was a pilot in the air force and, and uh growing up, you know, I thought that was just the coolest thing ever and I wanted to be a pilot in the air force and then when I was in like seventh, eighth grade, ninth grade, started wearing glasses, you know. and you find out if your vision's not perfect, you can't be a pilot, and so that just killed that dream pretty quickly. And uh, so, but during my childhood, I remember knowing and learning about every single type of plane there was in the military. My, my grandfather was an infantryman, infantryman in World War II, went from you know, Normandy all the way through France uh, through Belgium. He was the, his division was the first division that stepped foot in Germany, and wow. uh, and so I always grew up a war buff and, and my dad flying. He flew in Vietnam. So I knew everything about every plane and sortie and what type of missile it had and gun it had, you know? And so I remember thinking, you know, maybe one day I'll fly. Cause after my dad got back from the Vietnam war, he did fly for about 10 years recreationally um, for fun on the weekends, you know, rent a little Cessna or something. And so I always kind of thought maybe I'd do that. Well, then, you go through this, as I mentioned, you know, almost two decade training process. This orthopedic surgeon, and you have no time. You got no time. You get no money. You got no. You got nothing, and you're in debt, hundreds of thousands of dollars. And um, uh, so, finally, uh, six years ago, I thought, I, I think I want to do this. You know, I I, I always like doing something else, and I used to play golf a lot. And I was got pretty good at it, and then I started playing a guitar and you know, and so I thought about, maybe I'll go back to golf, maybe I'll go back to, you know, guitar, this is when I've been in practice for about five years, and I kind of thought, well, I did, I did the golf thing, I was, you got pretty good, and I don't know if I want to go back there again, and I thought about picking the guitar up again, and I said, well, I did that, let's do something different, so I said, I'm gonna fly, so I went and did a fly lesson with a guy named Reed Worrell, who uh, at that time uh, was just starting his job as being an instructor, and now he flies for American Airlines, and become a dear friend of mine so here I am like 38 he was like 22 or three or something I think and and I go out I did it with a Groupon so I got this I got this,
0: <laughs> this hey, you got a discount you got this guy right you got a look.
1: so I did this Groupon thing and uh, it was like 100 bucks for an hour to do this lesson or 50 bucks or something I don't know and so I did this thing and I go up and fly with Reed for an hour in Cessna and he takes off and he lands he while we're up in the air he lets me take over and fly a little bit, right? And, uh, we get back, we land and he's like, uh, he's like, all right, what do you think? And I go, I'm never doing that again. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, what? And he's like, you did pretty good. I'm like, uh, uh-uh. uh you know, Ooh, I said, that's it. that is it. No freaking way. And, uh, I remember calling my dad, you know, and I said, oh man, I forget this in a way. And I called my wife on the way home. i like, I'm not doing this. Well, I went back a few weeks later, landed same experience. I said, no way. And, you know, like life happens, you, next thing you know, you're doing it a little more and more. And yeah, so what what kept drawing you back? I think there's that competitiveness, this, you know, you were talking mm-hmm. about earlier. Like there's that part of me that said, you know, you want to do this forever and you're going to let a little fear, you know, stop you. Um, I don't know, some way I kind of maybe felt like kind of owed it to my dad for some way or, or like I felt like, you know, he'd be proud of me if I did it, you know. And um, so I... I just, and I also, I was getting to the point where after being in practice for five or six years, I was like, I got, I'm, I, I, you know, I'm, I got to do something else, you know. Like, I don't know. I was doing, a, I do a lot of product design, a lot of development and product development and and research, and it's it just, I felt like my life was kind of one-dimensional orthopedics, because even when I was doing the the, the product development, I was patenting things, and I was doing some of the things I was. I was doing over time has really made some really cool impact in the build, and but even though it was like not taking care of patients, it was still worth so That's right. It was still in one still field field. in the yes. same arena, and I, I was so I just was like, you know, I don't want to be. Yeah, do you feel that you were just being defined as one thing. Yeah, you know, I I needed a little diversity, I guess you'd mm-hmm. call it, and so I decided just to kind of keep going back and forth with it, and now the normal person when you get your pilot's license if you kind of hit it hard, you can get it maybe, maybe four to six months, you know, it took me like, I don't know, I think 14 months because (laughs) I would, I I mean, I work 110, 110 hours a week. There's an aspect you don't have time. Yeah. You know, so I would like go on a Monday at seven o'clock at night and then I would go, I wouldn't go for three weeks. You know, my instructor was like, this is like not the way to learn how to fly, you know? And so finally I got it and, and then, so since then I've gone on to get, Multiple ratings and, and more, more advanced training, advanced ratings, and so I, one of the coolest things I've achieved, kind of in my life, goes like you know, taking your boards and doing well and getting orthopedic surgery, that's that's all like, you know, can you are you a good test taker? Can you learn the information? But to become a pilot, it's like, can you take the test, learn the information? But you got to go out. and you know, do it. Well, again, there's so, action. Is action, right? Yes. So they call it the practical test. And so you, when you get your license, every step that you do, whether you get your, your license, you get your commercial rating, you get your instrument rating, your multi-engine, you have a written test, then you have an oral test, and then you do go out and fly with an instructor or an examiner. And so you, you take the test, and if you pass it, then you go do the oral test. And if you pass that, then you go do the flying test. And so when I did my flying, so when I did my instrument rating, which is of all the ratings in flying, it's the hardest. It has the highest failure rates, about 40% failure rate. And, you know, to get to where, I, where I've gotten in life, I don't, I don't you know, I don't fail anything.
0: <laughs> if, I don't a, if I don't get 100 on a test,
1: right, you don't become an orthopedic surgeon or a neurosurgeon like getting Bs, right? You got to get a high, high A on everything. And so when you're telling me that, you know, these who fail, I'm like, there's no way. And so I took the test, and and it was, it was, I got an 88. And I remember being like ticked off. And the guy was like, "Dude, like ten people took the test today, and like seven failed. And, like, and the other three that passed, like got a 65, or whatever." And so he's like, "88." He's like, "That's the best test I've seen in a year." And I was like, "88 sucks." <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, I take that, you know, do the oral test, which is difficult and apply test. And so after all that mess. I, I mean, that might have been the most challenging thing I've ever done, you know, uh, to, uh, to get that. And then, and, and now I, get, I, can, I can go out and fly in any condition that, you know, your pilot you know, on Delta or American can do. And, and um, it's been cool because it's really opened up the skies, if you will. Because before, my instrument rating, I can only fly on basically clear sunny days, you know. And now I can, you know, take off and land almost any time. So it doesn't matter. Yeah, and that, that, was, that, that was challenging. I remember when I was taking the, getting ready to take the test, I was talking to you know, different people about it. And they're like, oh, you're smart. You're going to do fine. I'm like, I'm going to fail this thing. <laughs> was,
0: so you didn't have confidence no, in yourself. No, I did not,
1: man. I was so stressed. Oh, my gosh. I never went to a test so uh, unsure. Now, what did your dad say when you told him you got your license? Yeah. He was, have you, did you take him up? Yeah. So he was like, that's great, you know. And uh, so my very, very first flight that I ever had after I got my license was with my dad. We... I, this is back when I was flying a Cessna. Now I fly a Cirrus, but Cessna is those, you know, rinky dink little planes with a kite engine. And we, I picked him up and we went to the middle of North Carolina, got some barbecue. Oh, I love you know, it. Kind of like, yeah, we, didn't have a, we didn't have a fancy barbecue. <laughs> you didn't have like, noble no, Smoke. No, you know. <laughs> no. We went to a place called Pick and Pig. And uh, it's, it's cool because the restaurant's right on the field. It's this teeny tiny little runway in the middle of nowhere and um, trees on everywhere and it's kind of a dangerous place sometimes <laughs> yeah, squirrely and uh, we landed there we had barbecue and we flew back home and, and then um, it was cool because when we landed and we go out to the car he's like you know he's like you know can't you really did a good job i'm proud of you you know you're a great pilot and um i got kind of choked up and he he get, when when you get your wings in the air force there's this poem that he give you that's framed with the air force wings on top and it's this. This really elegant poem that's been in the air force for, for for decades, and so when you get your wings, they give that to you well that day when we got back from from the barbecue flight um he gave me that um, oh wow that 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 uh and i have it it's a, it's above it's the centerpiece above my desk you know and um it's it's really cool. oh that's special it's, it's so special you can see on you know in the handwriting in the bottom you know he was a captain in the air force you know and
0: it's uh it's really cool was that that amazing. It a lot to me. Of course. What about in your life, though, in sports? Were you a big sports guy? I wrestled for a few years, and I, I played baseball for a few years. and
1: my, I ended up becoming really just, I love basketball. Now, same with me. That was my really, sport. That was my oh, sport, yes. man. I, I, was, I, I wasn't the best guy on, a, on the floor, but I was the scrappiest. I'm six foot tall, and, and I could jump through the roof you know, I really had good ups and I could out rebound most people. And so I was valuable to the team because I could get the ball, you know, so I would score maybe six, eight points a game, but I'd have 15 rebounds, 20 rebounds. And my job is to get the rebound and give it to the guy. Shoot. <laughs> <laughs> and so, um, and I was kind of wiry back then, you know, so I could slip in and, you know, get in there. Um, so that was, that was, I love basketball and, uh, I don't know how good I was. I mean, I think I was pretty decent. You know, I had people telling me you should try to play college. You know, I don't think I would be a D1 athlete by any means. But there's times I look back and kind of wish uh, I got I got so into the pursuit of the academic part, you know, mm-hmm. go to major in the science and pre-med and be a doctor. And like to me, I just didn't feel like if I was going to be this surgeon that I wanted to be like, uh, I don't know if I could excel academically as
0: much as I needed to. Yeah, and again, I think you were, I mean, it's yeah. from your mindset, what I'm hearing again is that, I mean, you wanted to be, you wanted to have a hundred every yeah, time. Exactly, right? yeah, yeah. And to be able to do that, you had to yeah. pick a lane basically. Yeah, exactly. And,
1: and there are athletes who can do it, but I had to work to be, I had to work to be a basketball player and I had to work to be a student. I tell my, my kids that, you know, it's not about being smart. It's about, it's about working hard. And so it's an important distinction because if, if smart, if smartness is the focus, if they don't perform well in a test or mm-hmm. a grade or an exam or a class, then I think kids can maybe think that they're not smart. Yes. You know, they can, they, they flip it that way. That's right. So it's, to me, um, it's important to kind of focus on the work and uh, the you know, you tried your best. You know, <laughs> that I told myself that I don't listen to
0: <laughs> exactly. <You know? laughs>
1: but you you look know, in the mirror. You right? Look in the mirror. I know exactly. You know? And so and I tell him, you know, at this stage of life, uh, I think what the most important thing about education is you got to learn how to learn. And so that's Without what I tell them. That's what I tell them all the time. And, you know, you don't need to figure out what you want to do in life right now, and and uh, you got time to figure it out. And um, but be true to yourself, and be kind to other people, and and just focus on you know just Focusing on uh, the opportunity that you have in front of you, and so every I, I am where I am today because I took advantage of every every opportunity, mm-hmm. and the ones I didn't have, I try to create some. And so I think successful people don't really get there by by luck or by necessarily even working hard. Sometimes it's 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 recognizing an opportunity in front of you. And don't turn it down. Yeah. I don't it doesn't matter what it is, you know, because there was a lot of things that I had opportunities to do that I did that if I if I didn't do those things, I really probably wouldn't be sitting here. You know? Wow. And so it's uh you know, my advice to people listening is is um you know, one of my faults I think is I never say no.
0: <laughs> so um, Well, I'm glad you didn't say no tonight. Well,
1: (laughs) I didn't say no, but I did.
0: I did scratch you around for a a few
1: months. I apologize. That's
0: the life of a surgeon. Yeah, it's it's a wild time. From your sports background, your engineering background, how have those then been able to impact your career as an orthopedic surgeon? The... um,
1: The sports thing, I I never, there are a lot of people who go to North Peaks because they were an athlete. They want to, you know, they tore their ACL in high Mm -hmm. school and now they, I never had that. Uh, I definitely broken a few bones, but that was not the impetus really. It was, it was the science engineering of it helped kind of fashion that. The sports thing is, um, I've always enjoyed playing sports. I love watching sports. Sports are a big part of my family. You know, we like talking about sports. We, we, you know, it's, it's sports do do one thing and that makes us hopefully you kind of have a common ground, yes. and, you know, and uh, kind of brings us together. And, and so for me, it's what's cool about orthopedics is uh, there are a lot of people we take care of with sports injuries. And in fact, in the pro athlete and college level, 40% of all orthopedic injuries are below the knee. Wow. So we always hear about the ACL tear and the rotator cuff and whatnot. And those are definitely important and, and, and they're common. But almost half or below the knee and so that's where we come in, you know. And so whether it's an Achilles rupture or a bad ankle sprain, it doesn't get better, or a Liz Frank, there's all kinds of other things that can happen that uh that are very common in the foot and ankle world that allow us to take care of athletes. And kind of playing in that being an athlete some you know my days really enjoy watching sports. And now as a team physician I take care of multiple teams you know it's it's it all kind of ties together so it's it's been it's been really enjoyable it's those people are fantastic to take care of because they really really want to get better and it doesn't have to be the pro you know player that's got 20 million bucks a year that you know obviously he wants to get better right it's it's the high school player it's the college player they they all have this um this inspiring drive yes. to get better and they they'll make you look good because uh, they can have a small problem or a big problem, and they will get back on the field, and uh, you know they'll be like, "Oh, Dr. Ellington did this, mm-hmm. Dr. Whatever," and like, you know, sure we got to do our job right, but uh, when you take a healthy, young, motivated person
0: who will do anything to get back to, yeah, that to get level, back to the level, it's it's uh, it's a win-win because there's a whole other level of it's not just the surgery; it's the rehab yeah. to get back exactly. to that level. So it, it's more than just what you're doing it the patient has to be involved in this whole process as well yeah not just through athlete you know oh, exactly the, the, yes just the, even, any, even anybody 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 you're, you're
1: right one of the things i tell my fellows is like the difference the difference between a good outcome and a great outcome is the patient kind of doing the rehab like mm-hmm. you ask them to do and that's not to kind of put the onus on the patient but like you know like you're saying you you can do everything right and they're just they're it's you know patients want this once want, want the surgeon to do their best well, we as doctors want the patient to do their best. Exactly. You know, and so you gotta eat healthy, and you gotta don't walk on it when we tell you to. <laughs> don't. I got patients that cut the cast off in their, oh gra- in their garage. In the garage. Like, what would you like? To me, just like a common sense. Like, I probably should just leave that alone, and they cut it off <laughs> like a cast. You know, and it's like you know, and it's uh, it's tough, you know, and it's foot to be a- Real challenge oh, you, you know, with, with those, those type of patients, those patients you know, in and, and the foot and ankle world, we take care of a lot of patients with diabetes, you know, and it's tough because these patients not to beat them up, but you know, they've had decades of bad decisions, right? They make smoke, they got, they've been, but they're overweight, they don't manage their diabetes well. And that really wreaks havoc on the foot. And it sounds kind of weird, but like diabetes over time will destroy the foot. And so they'll come to see me and they're like, you know, uh, I saw three doctors, they want to amputate my leg. And you save it. And sometimes I can, sometimes I can't. Sometimes we try and we win. Sometimes we try and we fail. Um, and they're just kind of like, you know, fix this problem. And I'm like, you've been working on this problem for 30 years. <laughs> it's like you're not
0: going to fix overnight. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> you know, like,
1: you know, you, if you eat cookies every day. It's going to catch up with you, you know. And so that's, that's a, you know, a whole other. It's the complete opposite of taking care of the athlete. That's right. And it's the exact opposite. It's like you know, it's a, it's a, you know, a diabetic patient that's got uh, a leg that needs amputation um, from, from you know, bad choices of her life. But you're still wanting to have that patient have the same yeah. successful outcome. Yeah. I mean, right? it's just you know, you got to. It's talking about you know, a little little competitive part is you know, you got a patient that comes in and goes, "I saw three doctors doing a couple my leg off," and you're like, "Well, I'm gonna, I'm to try to save this." Exactly. You know? That's you know? right. And and, you know, and sometimes you can,
0: and it's, um that's, that's part of it too, you know, so. Now you shared a little bit of some advice that you've, you know, talked to your kids about, and I'm big on words of wisdom, just life advice, mottos, phrases, quotes, yeah. you know, whatever it is. Is there something that you've leaned on over the years that, you know, has been an impact in your life in terms of words of wisdom? or uh, Yeah, there are. My kids, they, they hate my one-liners. <laughs> um, you know, my one-liner,
1: I get more and more one-liners and I have more and more perspective. And I'm able to look back on things differently. Yeah. You know, I didn't have these one-liners when I was 20 years old, right? And I'm not 80, right? But I'm 44 and I've been through a lot. And I've seen a lot and, you know, worked really hard at different things. And one of the things that I I tried to, to, to tell them And I tell my fellows too, because especially in this field of medicine and and every doctor, I think kind of feels like they got to where they are because they worked really hard they're smart, they sacrificed and and whatnot. And I think anybody in a successful position may think, well, you know, I'm here because of what I did. So one of my biggest things are uh, sayings is you are who you are because of someone else. Mm -hmm. Right. And so like my dad's influence on me, my mom was a stay at home mom and you know, pour her love and heart into our family. My grandfather, World War II veteran. Um, I got cousins that are like brothers and sisters to me. High school teachers, college professors, mentors in residency and fellowship. Uh, colleagues of mine, former fellows that are now friends. You know, your close-knit family, your, your own kids, your own wife. Like, they help mold you into yes. who you are. And so... I would be just completely, you know, stupid, honestly, to, to say that I got here because I really worked hard and I got a better exam score than somebody else. Without question, you know, I really believe that that's true. And, and I think it, I think a lot of people would do well to kind of think that too because it would make them kind of look more outward versus inward to their success and realize that, um, that it wasn't all just them. I think God's provided a lot of opportunities that i you know these doors to get open that you don't know about and mm-hmm. grace has been you know really poured on my life in ways I can't even explain so it's been it's a humbling thing and um the uh I tell you, you know there, there's no fast way to success, there's no elevator right. right it's always some crazy long stairway, and it doesn't come overnight mm-hmm. and uh it's easy to sacrifice and and uh put yourself aside and try to achieve a goal. If you think you're going to get it in a week or two, you know, but I think it's one of you know one of the things you hear people say if it's not you know it's, is it worth fighting for then it's you know you're going to fight for it and and it's a long haul to do some of these things. I know whether you're a pro athlete or sports speech surgeon or Working in any field, it, people I think sometimes feel like, oh, well, if you don't make millions of dollars, or if you didn't work hard, you're not important, or that person that sacrifice. I mean, you know, you could be a, a teacher. Exactly. If you're a t- life if, is hard. Hard like, life is hard. If you're a second grade teacher, oh my god, oh gosh. my goodness, and yes. How do you do that? Uh, you know, I mean, you inspire me to take yes. care of twenty or thirty. There's kids. no way I could. No, you. I, I I can barely take care of three kids. You know, <laughs> like i am going to do with thirty? You know, and so. You know the monetary value of your of your income has nothing to do with your your true value. Agreed. And So it's um though, you know I think that especially in this today's
0: world um, that could be lost easily. Yeah. Yeah. And it would be interesting to see what the world could be if people had a different viewpoint hmm. like that. Yeah, defaults. I don't know. You know. I know. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's been it's been that's a wild ride, you know, and, and it's it's um, the r- relationships, you know, everything's about people, this. you know, and it took me a long time to figure this out. I, I say these things like I'm some expert and I'm really, I know these things only from my own mistakes. And so like,
0: well, that's um, how we learn. though. Yeah. And the older and
1: older I get, the more and more I realize that, that life is about people. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so you know, through my life, I've been able to have relationships and, and experiences with all kinds of different people. And it's been so cool. Uh, you know, a friend in town introduces me to one of his friends, who is a guy named Richard, who um, decides he's going to start his own protein bar company, right? And so my buddy said, like, he got to talk to this buddy, because I like investing in a lot of things, right? And so and I was like, a protein bar company? No, that's stupid. <laughs> There's a million of them, right? It's a crowded space. He's said, like, yeah, talk to these guys. They're cool, dude. So, I right, go back to me saying, never saying no. So I meet with this guy, we chit chat, we start working together. I'm kind of helping him, like giving him some advice. And he's got a very tuned up thing already, but he creates this company called next bar NXT bar. And, uh, it, it's really cool. Like it's healthy. It meets, it checks all the boxes. It's actually, you know, uh, all natural. It's, it's, Keto, it's paleo, it's non-GMO, and I started doing some research. And I started going to like Walmart and the grocery store and looking and see if there's other companies out there that do this. And sure enough, he, he really was kind of hitting a, a market. So after you know saying no, I ended up investing in the company, <laughs> <laughs> and it's the number one bar on Amazon right now. It's exploded. It's in whole. It just he just signed a deal with Whole Foods. Uh, uh stop and shop up in, in the Northeast in Boston, you know, with like 500 stores, and 300 stores. He's getting into like other grocery stores. Uh, it's incredible, you know, and I eat two every day. And I, I know I've reckoned oh, yes. you. Oh, know? yes, they're excellent. Yeah, so it's, it's been fantastic. And he's, this, this guy, I call him the kid jokingly, and he's like 25, 26 years old. He's got his head on so straight, very focused, um, knows what he's doing. Uh, and what's, not to sound like I'm a fatherly figure, but like, I really- one of the reasons I invested in the company is I invested in him. Of course. Right? It's that, that relationship. It's the manager. person. as like, this guy. That's who you believe in. I believe, yeah. The product's great. You know, yeah. but like at the end of the day, like I, what, who, who he is, what he's doing, his vision, how he wants to grow this, I thought, okay, this, this is something. So, one of the things when I, when I work with, when I design products in orthopedics, and I've designed like probably, I think, over 100 now, now I'm able to be a little more picky about what I do and who I work with. And so, what I've learned is that I used to have these things called the three P's, kind of like what you're a little, you know, little saying. So, I will not work with a company. I won't develop a product or, 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 you know, do a consulting job if it if all three P's don't, don't check. And I used to be like, well, if two of the threes were good, you know, two of the three would be, be fine. It has to be all three P's. The, P, the P's are um, got a good, good people, good process, mm-hmm. and a good product, of course. And so, if those three are checked, right? Then I'm, I'm all in and I will do everything I can to help design something, develop something. I will do everything I can to try to promote the product, you know, um, make it better, tweak it, whatever we can do. And so, uh, you know, Nextbar has that, uh, Artiline has that, um, working with companies like Medline, Medshape. Now that I have that little bit of a framework, it's so, it's, it's so enjoyable because um i can really get 100 percent behind it and i have to deal with bad people or bad yeah, you can process be all in because you've gone through the formula yeah i've been burned by i've been burned by people product and process <laughs> and so now now it's you know if ellington's gonna play the game with you it, you know and so it's um it's it's been fun i've learned so much i I've been uh, I've been fortunate to work around really bright people, you know, both in the orthopedic space, the business space, engineering, marketing, sales. And through that, I kind of had this on the job training, you know, and one of the things that I've thought about doing at some point in my life is still always be an orthopedic surgeon. But take on a more kind of official, solid business role with the company because I feel like uh, I feel like I could offer something. You know, being a surgeon. Like, do you mean an orthopedic company, yeah, or you know, medical device company? Yeah, medical device yeah, it's like company. Medical I device company. Yeah. And I went to, to really be not just a consultant for a company, but like actually being a you know, in in the business on the board meetings, yes. talking about like where we're going to go in the future, what are we going to acquire, what are we going to merge with, what whether was the market need, how are we going to design it, who's going to do it, those and, and those more high level discussions. Because I've kind of tapped out. i have now. that's another challenge for you? I think it's another challenge, you know, (laughs) and not to sound cocky, but I basically have designed everything in the foot and ankle space, right? So every kind of plate and screw you can do and every kind of nail and every kind of staple. And I just, uh, there's a startup company called Kinos and a few, three years ago, they approached me and asked me to be a part and design a total ankle. They're a startup company. All they do is design a total ankle. And they asked me to do that with them and me and a couple other guys have gotten together and done that. And it just, the first total ankle went out. This has been a very difficult project because like making a little plate and screw is one thing, but designing a complete kit system has been very challenging. And so you know, FDA approval, has been amazing. And and so through all this, I've learned all this stuff about, you know, different parts of orthopedics. And uh, one day I think it'd be cool to kind of play in those different roles. Instead of like drawing, drawing, yeah. Uh, I mean, in drawing ideas, you would have a different lens or you'd be
0: looking through a different lens, yeah.
1: You know, for I, sure, I think that might yeah. be cool for some companies. I don't know, so let's see. we'll see. Well, this has been cool, you know, very cool. It's like I was talking about it all day today in the OR. Uh, I was excited to go and I was, you know, kind of nudging everybody that. I needed to get here. So again, I'm sorry. I'm
0: like two, hour, two got, hours you, late, but like, it goes back to that point. You got to make it perfect. For you yeah. to make it perfect for the patient. Yes. Yeah. Chase that perfection. Perfect. Always chasing. It. Exactly. Thank Great you, sir. You got it. Focusing on perfection can be such a slippery slope at times because we often lose sight of the real goal and that's progress through that inner competitive spirit within Dr. Ellington. To continuously seek perfection, he's learned, though, that over time he might not ever reach perfection, but it's all of the people throughout his life that have helped him continue his ultimate journey of progress. Now that finishes episode 146, and you can also watch some of our episodes by visiting our Rich Take on Sports YouTube channel. And remember, focus forward so we don't live in the past. All the best, everyone. You've been listening to Rich Take on Sports, the sports podcast with life. Visit richtakeonsports.com to subscribe and catch up on any episodes you might have missed. You can also follow us on Twitter at RichTakesports. Thanks for listening.